Welcome to the Multiply Your Success podcast, where each week we help growth-minded entrepreneurs and franchise leaders take the next step in their expansion journey. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team. And as we open today, I'm wondering if you happen to be someone who has taken ideas, new business formation ideas, and turned them into a business and then been able to exit, whether you sold it or uh, developed it in into the market. And I've always been impressed with people who are able to do that, especially when they change industries and they're able to repeat that success over and over and over again. And if you find that interesting too, then you're going to love today's episode. Our guest is David Selinger, and he was an early on employee at Amazon, and he worked directly for Jeff Bezos, and he led the research and development uh, arm of Amazon's data mining and personalization team. He also then co-founded Redfin, which is now a multi-billion dollar a year company, if you're not familiar with that in the real estate industry. And he's also found, and he also founded Rich Relevance, a company that offers personalized shopping experiences for large retail brands, including companies like Macy's, Barney's New York, Office Depot, and others. He's now reinventing himself with the next big thing in home security called Deep Sentinel, which is an AI-based home protection. And he shares with us his journey in creating his new company and referencing these things back. It's an exciting story with a great background. You're going to love this interview. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Sure. My name is David Selinger. I, right now I'm the CEO and the founder of a company called Deep Sentinel. And it's a, it's still a pretty small company. We're in the early phases, but if you haven't heard of us, you should have, especially if you're a small business owner or if you own a home or have a family. Those are the only things that make it so that you should know about Deep Sentinel. We were a security company that uh, uses cameras to actually stop crime. So uh, I spent a lot of time watching all the ring videos like, hey, I caught this guy stealing my stuff on my front doorstep, realizing that the verb caught there was quite bastardized and you didn't catch anything. I mean, you go, all you have is a video and you don't have your stuff. And so I built a system that uh, uses AI and it, and it stops that stuff. Um, my want a quick background is that yeah, helpful? I would love love that. Yeah, sure. So um, I'll, I'll go all the way back. I grew up in a little town in southern Oregon called Merlin. If you haven't heard of that, it was right next to the really really big town, twenty thousand people called Grants Pass. Because you probably also haven't heard of that, it's next to nothing, uh, and it's four hours south of Portland, and uh, and that's where I grew up, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Merlin has a population of I think three or four hundred people right now, so it's you know, truly kind of a, a neat rural growing up experience. I then got to go to Stanford where I studied artificial intelligence, robotics, and machine learning. And that was, a you know, as you might imagine, a pretty stark transition in my life. A really amazing experience. I got to study with some of the, the world's most renowned scientists and, and philosophers and physicists, you know, Nobel laureates and things like that. It was, it was really insane and, and awesome. I then went on to run the first AI team at Amazon, working directly with Jeff, started a company called Redfin, which uh, used to be about an $8 billion publicly traded company. And now it's about a $1 billion publicly traded company with uh, with the market where it's at these days. And then uh, I started another AI company called Rich Relevance, which uh, we sold about four years ago. And then uh, about seven years ago, I started, six years ago, I started Deep Sentinel. Wow. Well, you have a, a a phenomenal, phenomenal background with everything that you've done and produced here. And uh, 
uh, and by the way, with Deep Sentinel and your current enterprise, it's interesting you bring that up just as a, uh, and by the way, for anyone, when they listen into this, this wasn't pre-planned. Ironically, in our neighborhood and several neighboring communities, within the last few weeks, there were some uh, drive-by folks that were driving through neighborhoods pulling mail out of their mailbox. Yep. And so exactly what you said, you know, police reports were filed and a whole bunch of neighbors, including our home that had uh, a uh, uh, we had a great uh, video of it. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, they were long gone before anything happened. And, you know, at, at that juncture, who knows if uh, the police will ever be able to track these folks down uh, by the time it's all said and done. So uh, to, to your point, if someone had a vigilant eye on what was going on, um, that police would have been notified and that person probably, I don't know if they're apprehended, but they're at least uh, circumvented, right? They're, they're stopped right. from, from what they're doing. The, the biggest observation we had is that if you can intervene in real time, it makes all the difference in the outcome. If you can intervene before someone breaks your back window, you can stop them from doing any damage to your property as well as threatening your, your sense of safety. And, and that's really what this business is about is intervene in 10 seconds or less and bring the, bring the ruck if we need to. So, yeah, I mean, we talk about that more kind of as we get through this, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just such an important sense. I mean, I, I'll pivot a little bit in terms of the personal nature. It's like, I've been involved in a bunch of nonprofits as well. I, I've been on the board of probably six or seven nonprofits. I started two of them and it's just hard. It's hard to kind of bring together these tenants that we learn in business, how to run things well, how to do them efficiently, how to do them effectively, how to hire, how to fire. Uh, and do that in a way that makes the world a better place. And th that's one of the key things about Deep Sentinel to me is that I don't have to do a for-profit and do non-profit on the side. I'm, I'm running a business that is the only company like it, first of all, which is really neat by itself. But then secondly, it, it's truly mission-driven. And that's been really amazing for me. Well, I, I love it. And certainly the our, our audience tend to be folks who are uh, successful uh, business owners. They've got businesses they're running. So you have residential and commercial services too. So if someone's running a restaurant or a retail outlet or some kind of fixed location, and uh, you know certainly that's the bread and butter for most folks. They have a location or two or three or for their franchise network. How, how do you work in that scenario? Yeah. So, I mean, let me kind of go back to, to just really core what it does. Uh, what we do is we have a, an array of cameras around a property. And instead of just recording... Those cameras run a real-time AI that then detects anything suspicious. And when it detects something suspicious, it doesn't just send you a notification. It actually sends the live feed instantaneously to a, a professionally trained guard whose job it is to intervene over two-way audio, sirens. Uh, we're actually testing other types of interventions like physical interventions, smoke, uh, uh, flashing lights, all kinds of different things, sirens. And we'll contact the police. And all of that will happen in under 30 seconds. And, and again, let's let's take a restaurant, right? Restaurants tend to have big plate glass windows. Uh, unless you run a restaurant, you may not know that those things cost upwards of $3,000, $4,000, $5,000, $10,000 for that piece of glass, for crying out loud, right? And so the act of stopping someone from breaking that is in and of itself a huge deal. Uh, again, if you haven't been through this, which unfortunately, most business owners are not in that position anymore, just because crime is you know, massively up into the right. Even violent crime for the last three and a half years has been up into the right, which is the first time in 25 years in America we've had violent crime increasing year over year. It's really disheartening, right, as an American. <clears throat> it's great for my business, 
but it's not <laughs> again there's a mission driven thing that what's great for our business but bad for our country isn't really a huge win for me to be honest with you um but but again as a as a restaurant owner you also know that if that glass breaks you've got to fix that today otherwise you've got people coming in and you're not going to see a dime from your insurance company for six months, one year, and you've got to do it today. So you've got to pick your contractor. You've got to get someone to go out there. You know, contractors are a pain in the butt right now to get a hold of. Materials are a pain in the butt to get a hold of. You may have plywood up for six months in front of your, your storefront. It's just super, super damaging. The other thing that we're seeing is that that trend in crime is also making employees harder to retain. And so uh, for single businesses and uh, franchises, what we do is we stop those crimes from happening for franchises. We can establish deals with the franchisor or the franchisee, uh, bottoms up or top down. We work in, in either of those different frameworks. We've got uh, quite a number of you know, multinational companies where we, we do one or two things. We have smaller companies where we do every single one of their properties. And what we're seeing in terms of vertical where crime is happening, you mentioned restaurants where we're seeing a lot of crime though is warehouses and kind of class c real estate construction auto shops where in order to make that business work you've got to be running in a class c type environment from your real estate perspective you can't be paying 40 dollars a square foot or 50 dollars a square foot uh, a year for your property you've got to be paying 15 you know maybe 15 maybe maybe less in order to run your warehouse but those are inherently in the areas where it's higher crime. And so we're seeing, you know, the, the, where the ratios are wrong. Let's look at like an auto shop. You've got, uh, call it 12 bucks a year, square foot auto shop warehouse, but you have a million, $3 million, $4 million of automobiles on the lot at any time. So you have this massive amount of liability in a high risk area. And again, as the crime trends change, that risk profile goes through the roof, right? So like, you know, one of the towns that we wouldn't think of as dangerous would be like Denver, Colorado. Everybody kind of thinks Denver's sweet, right? Fresh mountain air, awesome people, right? Like uh, hunting, fishing, all that stuff out there. What do you think the the crime rate is for auto burglary in Denver, Denver Colorado? I'd have no idea. In the course of four years, you will have a one in five chance of getting your, your car, one in four to one in five chance of getting your car broken in five years, one in four, wow. to one in five, every single year, you have a one in 18 chance of getting your car broken into. If you live in Denver, Colorado, are you kidding me? It's just ridiculous. Right. And, and again, if that curve were going down and the police were doing something about it and it was like kind of working, that's one thing. But as we all know, that's not the trend that we're on as a country. We've got our law enforcement is, is uh, you know, whether right or wrong is, is having to be constrained a bit. Uh, crime is on, on the up and to the right. We've got release of criminals uh, from, from our prison systems. We've got looser laws there. And so in the middle, you got us, right? You got us kind of dealing with the realities of this and we got to protect our family, got to protect our, our, our businesses. What we find is pretty consistent. Most criminals don't want to get caught. Even if I know I'm only going to spend six months in, in jail for a, you know, a, a low level felony, I would still rather not spend six months in jail. And that's why you see people when they're coming, you know, these videos you'll see on Nextdoor, you know, they come up to the door and they're like looking around 
yeah, I'm going to break in, but I, I don't want to get my butt caught and thrown in jail tonight. Like that's not, I want to go home and have a beer at the end of my work day. Right. And so what we do is we change that whole equation. We tell them, Hey, get away from the door. Stop what you're doing right now. The police are on their way. And that's uh that's a deep sentinel story in a nutshell is that all that comes down to that 10 seconds where you got some jerk with a crowbar coming up to your door and bam, we tell them to go away. Most of the time they do. If they don't, when we call the police, Hey, I've got some six foot tall, uh, a white male wearing a black hoodie. He's got a crowbar. His buddy's in the getaway car. It is a, you know, a, Bu- a Buick and it's sitting on the road at this location. We just gave every police department in the nation exactly what they're looking for. Crime, description of suspect, weapons, and exact location. That means they get to turn their lights on, go flying, and get themselves a you know little notch on the helmet and arrest. Wow, that that's incredible. And uh, how how have things been growing so far with everything you're doing and expanding? Is this available for uh, in select markets, select areas, or is this available anywhere? It's all over the U.S. So we're in every one of the fifty states. Uh, we um, we've been really focused on some of the hotspot areas in terms of our marketing and stuff like that. But I mean, we have customers in northern Alaska. Uh, seriously, in northern Alaska, it's crazy. Like we have this map, like all tech companies that have, you know, where are all your customers? And this is like one shining light on the northern tip of Alaska. And you're like, whoever that dude is, like, first of all, congratulations for surviving. And we're glad we got your back, amigo, right? <laughs> you are out there. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, the hotspots that we see, though, in terms of crime are New York, Florida, California. Texas is huge. You know, all three of the major metros in Texas are crazy with crime right now. And, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of things that I just said, you could interpret as being a little bit right leaning. I'm not this isn't a political thing. This is crime has been up during Trump's administration, which is a mostly Republican administration. It's up in Biden's administration. It's up in California. It's up in Texas. It is up in Colorado. It is up everywhere. This is an American problem, not a liberal problem, not a conservative problem. We have tons of customers who are not gun owners. We have tons of customers who are gun owners. And like, look, A, I don't ever want to have to use this. So if you can prevent me from having to do that, that that's life changing. Ask any of your friends who've served. They know for a fact when you fire your weapon at another human being, it changes your psychology. We've got uh, gun owners who are like, look, if I do have to do that, I would way rather have the extra one and a half minutes or two minutes that you buy me so that I'm prepared. I'm getting in the mode, you know, I'm getting my weapon out, I'm arming, and I'm checking it. And, and so, again, one of the neatest things about us is that in this kind of day and age where it's, we get pulled kind of one way or the other, we serve everybody. I mean, we, we serve all races, all ethnicities, gun owners, anti-gun owners, right, left. They're our customers and we make all of their lives better. We protect uh, one of the coolest things that we do is we protect judges and police officers, too. So we have a whole bunch of judges whom we protect and police officers and their families. Again, if, you, if you're if you a cop or your friends are cops, your family is a cop, you know that they come, they get threats all the time, right? Most of them aren't credible, but like they still can kind of get under your skin. They can especially get under the skin of your family. And one of the neatest things that we do is we provide a lot of protection for cops that receive um, that receive threats. Yeah, well, I I think uh, your point is well taken. At at the end of the day, whatever the cause is for Mm -hmm. the increase, you know, uh, the bottom line is it's the crime is going up 
And that's at, at the end of the day, that's the direction it's going. And, and unfortunately, it seems like even just the example I gave early on in the episode, just even in our own little uh, suburban community here, it's like, well, there proof in, in just locally here, it's, it's just something you wouldn't think is going to happen, but it's going up everywhere, not just any one spot. It's everywhere. We, we have a customer uh, who's a reviewer. He does like kind of YouTube reviews and his name is Mike Benson. And Mike Benson, I met him when we were just launching the products. Like, oh, this is kind of cool, but like, I don't need it. I live in a gated neighborhood and I'm in Florida and our cops are awesome. And I was like, all right, cool, Mike. And he left my booth. I was at CES back when you could go to CES. I loved that, by the way. So I was at CES. And then, and then like two months later, Mike Benson emails me. He's like, hey, I'll do a review. Just send it to me. You know, I don't need it, but I'll do a review. Dude, I, I, I would swear my hand on a Bible. I'm Jewish. So the old Bible, the old Testament, uh, hand on the Bible. I want to say within two weeks of him installing this, he called me at like five in the morning Pacific. And I'm like, all right, dude, I gave you my personal cell phone number. Don't make me regret this. Like what's going on? And he's like, dude, you will not believe what just happened. I was like, okay, well, it's five o'clock in the morning. So I'll believe whatever it's going to take to get you off the phone right now. And he's like, dude, my wife left her car, her keys in the car. And he has a nice car, like a nice, nice car. And she left the car unlocked. And I was like, well, that's not my fault, Amigo. What, what happened? You will not believe this. An hour ago, these two guys walked down my driveway, opened up my wife's car door, and Deep Sentinel scared them away. And again, this guy was like a, the, the hot, highest of the high of like, this is all BS. We don't need it. And in the middle of his video review for us, he has an actual legit break in. The police come. We've got police all over the scene. And he's he, you know, converted from this just security doesn't matter. I got a gun and I got my family into, wait, you're right. At two o'clock in the morning, yeah, I have my gun and I'm sound asleep. And I cannot protect my family. And, you know, yes, sometimes my wife leaves her car unlocked. And yes, she put the keys in the freaking glove box so that someone could borrow her car. And, and it's just, again, it's, it's that sensation of we live in a society. And in a society, we have interdependencies. And, and as, as kind of the sole American breadwinner approach that we have to our lives, we're connected to all the people around us. And one of the key things to being connected is being safe, right? Great. Great walls make great neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that story. Well, David, one of the things I'd love to do here while we have you before we let you go is we ask every guest the same four questions. And the first question we'd like to ask every guest is uh, about a miss or two that you've had along your journey. And you have a, you know, a decorated career with a bunch of uh, things that have gone well for you. Uh, has there been a miss or two and something you learned from it? You know, I, I'm going to answer this a little bit differently. I tend not to live with many regrets in general in my life. Like I, I think my perspective in the world was very highly informed working with Jeff Bezos, where everything in the past is essentially information and data. And you can choose to regret that and create emotions around it. You can choose to analyze it and learn from it and use that to affect your future. And and he was so rigorous and uh, disciplined about making sure that everything in the past effectively transformed into data from which we made our future decisions better. And that perspective, I, I find to be just amazing. I, I will share a couple of, let's just call them purely financial mistakes. 
although I have achieved great financial success outside of Amazon, just doing the really simple math, had I stayed at Amazon, no one knew it was going to grow whatever, like 500x in the stock uh, from from when I was there, or maybe even more, maybe like a thousand x from the stock, in fact. So with that knowledge, I certainly would have made more financial return had I just like stuck with Amazon and stayed there for the rest of my career. But I also love that I got the opportunity to spread my wings, build and grow on my own. And I think as a human being, I'm much happier having done that. But, you know, just purely financially, I would imagine I would be literally 10x more wealthy had I just stayed at Amazon. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. And let, let's talk about this idea of a make, the other side. You shared sure. some some general highlights, but I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about, about one or two. Yeah, sure. So, so again, I'll, I'll give kind of a, a side answer for me, which is uh, the way that I look at my career is deeply integrated with my life. And I think most of your listeners who are probably small business owners you're only doing the business that you do because you love it. And I hope you do. If you, if you don't, then like I've got different advice for you here. But the, the thing that I have found to be the, the greatest reward in terms of my career was making sure that I change the way that I evaluate what I'm doing on a daily basis such that it works with my family. And the, um, the observation I had. So my last company, I was the CEO and it was an enterprise sales company. Because of that, I was traveling 200 to 300,000 miles a year. For those of you that have never flown 100,000 miles, that is around the earth four times. So I would fly around the earth between eight and 12 times a year, all the way around, like all the way around. So I was flying between three and four times a week, I had offices in Tokyo, London, Paris, Sweden, somewhere in Brazil that I never even visited, New York, San Francisco. Um, and I was always gone. I was I would typically leave either Sunday or Monday, and I would come back either Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. And I missed the first three years of my daughter's life. And one of the biggest decisions I made was really simple, two things have dinner with my family at least five nights a week, period, full stop. I can do everything else I want. I can frame my work and bust my ass till one in the morning as long as I had dinner with my family. And I'm just fully present for that dinner. And that leads to the second thing, which is that when I'm doing family things, I will not answer the phone unless it's my assistant. And that because my assistant will only call me if it's an emergency when I'm doing family things. And if it's anybody else, they can call my assistant if it's really an emergency. And that makes it so that I am not, again, not living with regrets. I can work an 18 hour day and know that I was a hundred percent present for my kids when they needed me. No regrets. I love that. Thank you. And let, let's talk about uh, multiplier. Uh, you've grown a bunch of companies. You've definitely multiplied things at different businesses and and things that you've created. Uh, name of the shows, Multiply Your Success. Is there anything that you've done that that stands out as a multiplier for growing yourself or businesses that that you'd like to share? Yeah, sure. So I I, I thought about that question a lot. Um, and I think some of your other guests have, have offered much more insightful answers than what I will currently share. But I, I'll, I'll offer mine, right? Which is that I mentioned Jeff Bezos's perspective that looking at everything in the past is data. 
and letting go of it, right? And analyzing it honestly, objectively, and then projecting it onto the future. Okay, so I learned that if I do these three things, here are the ones that succeed and here are the ones that fail and here are the reasons why. And what I have learned in my career that I, I have found to be just massively outsized in its return is helping my direct reports make that same transition in the way that makes sense to them. Meaning that we each hold on to our past differently because of our upbringing, because of the way our parents treated us. We all have some sort of daddy or mommy issues, right? Like whether whether we admit, admit it or not, we have boss issues, we have traumas, we have you know all these different things that we bring with us to work. And even the most successful executives that have reported to me have some version of this. And we all do, right? Again, like you know, if you're, if you're watching Jeff Bezos, for example, like the dude just got divorced to one of the most amazing women. She just got divorced. Uh, again, like stuff happens, right? We're not, we're not amazing. We're all, we all have our weak spots. We all have our blind spots. Uh, Elon Musk has 17 kids and doesn't know the name of, of 16 of them because they were the past kids. Like we all have these blind spots, right? And so really embracing what those blind spots are in order to achieve this view of how do I remove the emotion and subjectivity in analyzing the past? I can still put myself in that. Like, hey, I know that I, as a person, don't have the ability to deal with this type of situation. That's an objective statement. All those things cloud your judgment for the future. And so helping people take whatever their traumas are in their background is to be able to just fundamentally have the most direct an, an aggressive conversation about what just happened, why did it happen, and how do we use that in the future? How do we prevent it? How do we expand on it? How do we accelerate it? How do we multiply it? There's a thousand different things you can do, but you can do none of them if you're viewing that through the lens of a personal subjective trauma. The final question we ask every guest, Sally, is what does success mean to you? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna project this one back onto my family. Um, and and you know, I think everyone listening here has read, uh, reached some level of financial success. And when you do that, you go through this really non-linear transition. And that non-linear transition is that before you reach that level of success, the most important thing in your life is money, because you need money to feed yourself, to feed your family, to clothe your family, to put shelter over your heads. And then you reach some point, whether your number is 100,000 bucks in savings, half a million bucks, a million, 10 million, like whatever that number is there's not a gradual transition around that number. It is literally from number one to money becomes number 999,000. And making that transition was one of the hardest things in my life for my family. Again, I mentioned kind of changing the way that I interact with my kids. And again, I, I, I want to be careful because for some people, they haven't reached that point yet. And when you haven't, then it is the number one thing. And, and, and people that say money isn't important are full of crap. Money is the single most important thing to most people, period, full stop. And, and don't forget that. Don't belittle people that are there. Don't forget that you were probably there at one point if you're not anymore. But recognize that once you are there, it is really important that you put it in its place in the context of your broader happiness. In the last five years, I have resigned from every single board of directors and board of advisors position that I held in my career so that I could focus on the one or two things that matter. I started Deep Sentinel. Deep Sentinel embodies the values of my family. We are helping people feel safe in their homes. And that is something that 
we believe is really important. My family has had um, fostered, we've been involved in the foster care program. Uh, you know, I talked about my nonprofits, giving back to society and being integrated into society, creating, even if it's in a for-profit context, value that benefits your fellow man, your fellow woman, your fellow child, your fellow family. That is so freaking important. And the third part of this is not just doing that for yourself. My greatest success with Deep Sentinel is doing that with my family. My kids help design our logo. If you're watching the video here, you'll see all the designs of potential cameras. They help give feedback on that. My kids feel like Deep Sentinel belongs to them in their in the deepest parts of their their essence. They they understand that what we do matters to people. I had a I had a bad day once. I came down to dinner. And my little daughter, Cecilia, who's my younger daughter, she's turned 11 yesterday. Um, she uh, she said, Daddy, you don't look like you're very happy. Is everything okay? And I said, you know, I just had a rough day. And she said, it's right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I had a bunch of rough days at the beginning of the pandemic. And she said, but Daddy, did you save anyone's life today? And I was just like, bam, right? Like that's that's why we do this. So that's why that's my biggest success was starting a business that meets my needs. I'm intellectually challenged and building a meaningful business in a multi-billion dollar market. It's doing well. It's aligned with my interests. I'm doing a business that benefits society because no one else has ever started a business that can stop crimes before. Like, hello, let's go do this. And then number three, it's aligned with the values of my family. I'm teaching my kids the value of work. I'm teaching my kids the value of giving back to society and it, and it aligns. And so Finding that synergy, man, I, I, I feel so blessed and lucky to have been able to do that and still live, you know, kind of a, a reasonably balanced life for an entrepreneur. What I'd love to do before we close out here is you've, you've shared a lot about the business, but what's the best way for someone to find out more? How can they get in contact? What's the website? How, how do they get in touch? Sure. So our website's deepsentinel.com, D-E-E-P. S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L.com. The best way to learn more though, I, I you can go to our website. It's great. The guys that designed it are awesome. The gals that designed it are awesome. But uh, the better way to learn about Deep Sentinel is go to our YouTube channel, go to our TikTok channel, go to our Instagram. Holy smokes, right? If you liked cops, you like like what I said, hey, get away from there. You like seeing someone with a crowbar not get to break into somewhere. You like seeing someone get put in handcuffs for uh for for being a bad guy dude go to our youtube channel go to youtube search for deep sentinel we publish our best of the best every single week and it's awesome it's just it's just hard hitting every single week boom 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 and uh and that's what we do so uh that that's a great one if you're interested in my political musings and ramblings and and concepts and, and feedback on business you can follow me on LinkedIn. Just go to LinkedIn, uh, type in Dave Selinger, and you can follow me there as well. That sounds amazing. Well, thank you. And I know uh, uh, we didn't get a chance to jump into our franchise conversation. So that may be a follow-up conversation for another interview post. So I'd love to do that at some point in time. I would love that. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even mention, like I was involved in Dutch Brothers really, really, really early on. And, uh, and they had an amazing kind of story as how they explored and grew at that stage. And franchising is one of the things that they evaluated. So I think that'd be, that'd be an awesome discussion. 
Sally, thank you so much for a fantastic interview. And let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways. So takeaway number one is when Sally just gave some basic facts about crime and he said violent crime is up and up pretty significantly over the course of the last three and a half years. And uh, that's just a fact that maybe I'm not surprised by, but I am. I, that that seems startling to me. Takeaway number two, he said that he views the past as information and data and that he can learn from that. How can you learn or change and improve from the past? So it's not really necessarily a regret, but a regret or maybe something that he felt like he said he missed. It's rather, it's information to take and make future decisions based off that. And he said he learned that from Jeff Bezos when he was working at Amazon. And takeaway number three is when he started making that transition from when money was the most important thing to him to it becoming maybe the one of the least important things to him and how it helped him reprioritize his own life. And I don't know if you've gone through that. I know that I certainly have, as he described at, at some point. Uh, it's it's a natural thing to think that money is most important. And at some point, uh, folks make a transition. And now it's time for today's win-win. So today's win-win is when Selly shared with us how he saw a need in the market with the video surveillance or the video doorbells, like a ring doorbell, and he saw that those cameras were catching crimes on video, but they weren't preventing it. And he said, well, it's great that you caught the crime on video, like I saw, like we saw in our, uh, in our own neighborhood, and yet... Those crimes were still happening. And so now with what he's created, he created a, a, a business with his family, this family business, try to give back to help prevent those crimes or deter those crimes from happening. And I just thought that was a great takeaway. And maybe you started your business the same way. You saw a need in the market or a problem that you fixed. And I just love that concept of entrepreneurial uh, activity and thought process that goes into it. So might be a good time just to reflect back on what problem or new problem can you solve in a new industry or a new problem that's faced by your customer? And it's also just a reaffirmation about how the market can solve difficult or complex problems. So I just thought that was a great takeaway and a great win-win. And so that's the episode today, folks. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. And remember, if you or anyone you know might be ready to franchise their business or take their franchise company to the next level, please connect with us at BigSkyFranchiseTeam.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back next week.